In the Pits is partnered with Compete. Compete is a Texas-based brand by Jell Stewart of professional team AC Diesel that provides custom jerseys, pants, headbands, straps, tech shirts, and any other soft goods to help individuals and teams compete at the highest level. Support Texas Paintball and message Compete on Facebook or Instagram and mention In the Pits podcast for 10% off your entire order. In the Pits is partnered with Paintball Kumite. Paintball Kumite is a program designed by Colt Roberts of professional team San Antonio X-Factor to take paintball players of all ages, experience levels, and skill groups and mold them into champions. The program breaks the game down into small, easy-to-learn sessions designed to help you master the fundamentals so that you can elevate your game. Newcomers to the program get a free one-hour introductory class when mentioning In the Pits. To sign up for a class, message at Paintball Kumite on Instagram. In the Pits is partnered with Get That Shot. Get That Shot now offers first-in-line photo and video editing, 20% off Get That Shot merch, and 20% off prints to all teams that wear the Get That Shot logo on their jersey. Message Get That underscore Shot on Facebook or Instagram to become a Get That Shot program team. Welcome, everybody, to episode 25 of In the Pits Paintball Podcast. This podcast is focused on everything that has to do with the paintball scene here in Texas, from professional players and teams to new divisional programs, local tournament series, field owners, Texas-based brands, even photographers and videographers. Every week, we will have a short and sweet episode with a new topic and special guest. I'm Christian Smith. I'm a player for the Texas Titans. In this episode, we are going in the pits with Archie Montemayor, pro player for San Diego Dynasty and one of the names behind the project brand. Archie, how are you doing this evening? Great, man. How are you? Doing good, man. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, episode 25, we had to make it big. <laughs> nice. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it, man. So uh, let's get started. So for those listening, maybe they don't know like so much about you personally. How long have you been involved in the Texas paintball scene? Uh, well, I was born in Austin, so um, I've been involved in Texas paintball, I think. It, well, I mean, I, since I've been playing, probably, uh, in which was somewhere around 99, um, maybe late 98. Uh, it was like a birthday party thing. Um, but I, I quickly got into the tournament scene because some of my high school friends uh, at the time were, were already playing like local three-man and five-mans. So I kind of got into the tournament bug pretty quickly. And then uh, kind of everything was downhill from there. Um, by... 2003 uh, i started playing national tournaments um first with fuel and then uh one event later i ended up getting picked up by addicted in semi-pro and we won our first semi my first semi-pro 10-man event and uh kind of since then it was uh you know i bounced around a little bit and then joined up with x factor in the divisional days and then we helped you know we all turned that team pro obviously and then you know for the most part the rest is history yeah, absolutely. I uh, I know that if you want to get a more in-depth story for anyone listening, uh, go watch the uh, BKIT documentary. I think it's on Amazon Prime still. Uh, go check it out. Definitely has a more like in-depth timeline of all that. So Archie, since you've gone pro, uh, just give me like a few of the teams that you've been on like since turning pro. Well, I've really only played for two teams uh, outside of like guesting on on a few other pro teams. Um, but really, it's been X Factor. Um, obviously, I helped turn the team pro. A few years after that, I uh, I played with Dynasty for a season and a half, and then came back to X Factor and helped really solidify uh, the team as like you know a top team. Um, you know, overall for many, many years. And then obviously this past year, I joined back up with Dynasty again. Um, I've guested on uh, Infamous for some of the mech events and uh, ICPL stuff. Uh, I've played in Europe for pro teams, um, Tauntauns, uh, Breakout, Spa, and um, Icon, Rammstein Instinct, and also the ML Kings, which was pretty much an all-American team. Um, and then other than that, I've played for, you know, a handful of other teams at other, uh, you know, smaller national events or international events. Well, that's really cool to see that uh, you're really just staying with those one, you know, with X Factor and with Dynasty, like even Dynasty has only been, what, two and a half years now over the span of your career? Yeah, that's correct. Um, I played with a lot of the guys on the team currently in Europe uh, with the ML 
or sorry, with the Golden State Kings. Um, that was in 2019, and we had a, a pretty phenomenal year over there. And that was also the year that uh, X we won the series championship with X Factor here here in the states. So that was a really cool uh, kind of bonding experience with a lot of those guys, and it definitely set the um, <clears throat> it kind of put the early uh, the groundwork in for me to maybe uh, play with those guys again on Dynasty at some point later down the road. For sure, and we'll talk about uh, we'll get more into that as the show goes on. Uh, but it's really cool to see that like, you know, a top level pro such as yourself, like really just staying on one team for the most part, like, and not hopping around to like, you know, whoever the highest bidder is, which you definitely could have taken advantage of over your career, but, uh, just staying with the X factor boys, uh, and turning them pro and turning them into their, you know, current monstrous legacy that they have. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely guys that are kind of known for bouncing around a lot and often. Um, I'm, I'm proud to say that's not me. Um, you know, some some guys only play with one team their entire career, and, and that's I, I think there's something to be said about that. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, there, there's always reasons for, for switching teams and doing things differently. Um, and, you know, again, even if you've got a good, good enough reason to yourself to uh, – to uh to swap teams often then you know by all means you know it's not like we're getting paid you know hundreds of thousands of dollars to play this game um it, it's just the the amount of money we make in this is just so insignificant over the grand scheme of things that ultimately you should be doing whatever whatever you think is going to make you happiest you know um thankfully in my career um that didn't uh mean bouncing around a whole lot which i do you know, I am proud of the fact that um, I've played with a largely consistent group of guys. Um, I think that's definitely the harder way to do things, and I think you end up proving uh, more to yourself and others as a result of doing that. Um, but by all means, you know, you got to answer whatever is calling you, and, and for everybody, you know, that's that's a different thing. Yeah, for sure. And I absolutely no disrespect to those players that do, like, chase the bag, for lack of a better term, because right. those guys have definitely earned that status so there's also something to be said you know for being one of those sought after players yeah absolutely and, and i mean again you know everybody's kind of got looking to get something out of this game whether it's you know some sort of financial gain or or you know more tournament wins you know where you might just want to try to get on the best team you can possibly get on uh you know, and obviously, like, I've had my reasons for doing the things in my career that I've done, you know, and, and for me, like, one of the one of the highest values that I had for the longest time was to, you know, go pro with a group of guys that I've uh, I, I kind of grew up playing with and against. And then at some point after that, it was to win a series championship with the same, you know, group of guys, you know, and, and that was thankfully something, you know, we checked off the list and, and um uh, and, uh, you know, at this point in time in my career, I mean, I'm 36 years old and I've been playing pro for 15, 16 years. I think this will be my 17th season pro. Um, you know, so I've been, I've been playing pro as long as I've been an adult, essentially. And, uh, you know, for me at this point in, in, in that stage, it's, uh, you know, I'm looking for a few different things uh, and, and maybe a little more, you know, deeper level of fulfillment and, and uh, you know, being around, uh, you know, a group of guys that I'm just you know, maybe a little more, um, in line with. For sure. And I think, uh, your current stint with dynasty, I mean, this season winning three events, uh, winning the series once again. So, um, so far so good with the current chapter. Uh, yeah. so, so yeah, continuing yeah. on, um, or do you have something you want to say on that? Uh, I mean, no, I was gonna. I was just gonna say that obviously the year kind of speaks for itself with with regard to the results. Um, we had a phenomenal season. I just don't know that that's ever going to be topped again. And uh, and again, you know, there was a lot of pressure. Uh, I think uh, I didn't try to. I tried not to take on the pressure. But you know, when you're a player of like, you know, of of my caliber, and and I'm going to a team that was the winning team, you know, um, there's a lot of pressure there because if we don't continue to win, then it's easy to say, oh, well, what was different, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, regardless if that had been the case, you know, I wouldn't have been too beat up about it because the fact of the matter is it's hard to win paintball tournaments and, and there's a certain level of, of uh, you know, luck and skill involved in winning tournaments. And uh, so even if we hadn't had the best season in the world, I don't, I know that that wouldn't have changed who I am over the, uh, the overarching, you know, theme of my career, you know, but obviously it's, it's nice to 
make the switch and have such a dominant year uh, with those guys. And, and obviously we had a lot of fun doing it. Absolutely. And uh, definitely no question to uh, your career and to your legacy uh, at all, especially after this season. Uh, so having been playing paintball uh, since 99, you know, going on 22, 23 years now, uh, most of it here in Texas, uh, what are some things have ch that have changed within the Texas scene over that time period? Um, well, I would, at, at this point, I would argue that Texas is like the Mecca of paintball. Um, there's big scenes in all three major cities, you know, or, or areas, you know, of paintball being Dallas, Houston, and the central Texas area, which is Austin, San Antonio. And even there's a lot going on in the Valley too. So, um, but you know, again, there's multiple semi-pro teams, D1 teams, pro teams, there's multiple teams in every single division fighting to win every national tournament, right? I mean, that kind of speaks for itself. Uh, you know, at the present moment, like, this is where kind of the next thing is happening, man. There's just a lot of really positive momentum and a lot of really good uh, talent coming out. You know, not just talent, but also a lot of hardworking talent. Um, and I think that's what's... Um, what's going to be shown in the next you know probably five to ten years uh is a lot of these guys that are nurturing their talent here and working hard and practicing a lot and something that i'm not doing a lot of myself personally but i know it's happening um and uh it'll be interesting to see you know how dominant texas will be uh kind of going forward absolutely uh for those guys that are currently in the divisional scene in Texas, they know like there's a lot of really good teams like in D5, D4, D3, like all the way up to semi-pro and pro that are just whenever they go play NXL, they're constantly on the top. Like Tribe won, I think, three events in the NXL and D4. They're out of paintball fit. Uh, you've got uh, over in D1, obviously, you've got paintball fit and Austin Notorious that finished first and second in the semi-pro mm -hmm. series. Austin Notorious winning the pro spot uh, in uh, even at World Cup this year, you had uh, TKO, another team out of Texas, winning the D4 five-man over in uh, D3. You've got the Texas Cyclones constantly at the top. Like Teams all over Texas, whenever they go play national events, they show up. Right. Uh, and mean, Go ahead. Yeah, one of the things that I notice when I'm at tournaments now is that I'm seeing so many more familiar faces just from everybody that's from Texas there. And they're all relevant. And, and actually, I'm always... I'm tending to see them all deep into the Sunday round, you know, which is, uh, you know, where they end up playing on our, on our field, you know, which is, uh, you know, not always the case. Um, so yeah, it's a good sign for sure. And, and obviously paintball fits done a fantastic job and, and there's a lot of, uh, it's a solid breeding grounds right now for sure. I mean, and, and, uh, yeah, who's just, who knows where those, all those guys will be in the next few years. Oh yeah. I think fit as a field and as a, like, the scene as a whole in the North Dallas area, uh, they kind of set the standard back in like 2016, 2017, 2018. And now what we're seeing is the rest of Texas is catching up and it's really creating an arms race that's going to explode, I think, this year and next year, especially in like the mid to upper divisions. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, but I definitely, to me, it would be hard for me to imagine uh, a whole lot of other areas, certainly regions, in this in the united states uh like putting or as a collective having so much intent to get better right because i mean i just i know those guys up there i mean all over the state are really really uh grinding and putting in the hours and ultimately that's what it takes to be you know well to get over the cusp and, and getting into pro but but then after that you know it's ratcheted up even more but that's what it takes no matter what to make it pro and then to be kind of like an upper tier team Mm -hmm. Like even in Texas, like you uh, going back to like local series like the USXBL, which all of these teams that are going to national events are also competing in like tribe, for example, like they won three NXL events and I think they got knocked out in quarterfinals at the USXBL championships. So right. that tells you like how tough it is to win in Texas and how competitive it is. Like, I think there's a pretty good example when the series titles nationally are getting knocked out somewhat early. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's always interesting too cuz like I don't know how many teams go to the USXBLs, but like, you know, lower divisions can be quite tricky to to win actually because there's so many teams and also like the scouting is it's not quite the same, you know, and and also there's also a level of unpredictability in the uh 
in the lower divisions, right? I mean, when you're in the pro division, you know, because you can kind of guess the the level that guys are at, you can kind of have a pretty good idea of how they're going to be playing and, the, and what they're going to do. But in the lower divisions, like I, I would imagine that is not so easy. You know, um, it's got to be a little bit trickier to scout teams because I think in the lower division, teams are just willing to do a little more off the cuff stuff or riskier plays. And, and, you know, when you're not like, let's just call it like a master, you know, like sometimes you can just take one good punch and that's almost the end of the match. Oh yeah. And you see it like all the time, like teams like the Dragoons, for example, they historically have uh, struggled a little bit in D4, but this year they had a second place finish uh, down at USXBL. So it might just be like a good layout or, uh, who knows, maybe they like just did a lot of grinding for that particular event and it pays off. Right. Awesome. So uh, you talked a little bit about how you got into paintball with uh, playing with some people that uh, went to your high school. Uh, back in episode 12 of this podcast, we heard kind of his side of the story from Cesar Torres, and now we want to hear it mm-hmm. uh, from you. Uh, so tell us about how like the story of how you got in and what made you want to join the tournament side of things. Um, I mean, originally it was just, uh, the fact that some of my buddies were already doing it at a higher level. So it kind of gave me an immediate, um, reason to want to be better, you know, just really so I could continue to hang out with my friends and play paintball with my friends. And then, uh, I think about a year or two after that, we ended up linking up with Caesar, uh, and Caesar played on our team for a couple of seasons or, well, it was basically until we ended up all going to play national events. Um, so we played with Caesar for two or three seasons. And, uh, I mean, at the time we were practicing almost every weekend with, you know, obviously he was a big part of our team. Well, I mean, uh, just talking to Caesar, who was, uh, sorry, excuse me. Uh, it's, uh, incredible just learning how connected the whole, uh, Texas scene truly is like guys like him who have been (laughs) doing it for that long, uh, Mm -hmm. like talking to, uh, like James Cobb, for example, uh, who was like big, uh, big name responsible for like early Houston scene in like the eighties and nineties, uh, coming to fruition and had guys like, uh, Matt and John Jackson when they were rookies, uh, on his team. Uh, so yeah. Uh, it's really cool to learn all of these stories and how connected they are together. So, uh, with you like starting to come up and, uh, during those years where you said, you know, you're playing every weekend, you're doing these drills, tell us more about like some of the details of how you were climbing through the ranks. So like, how often were you playing? Like what kinds of drills, uh, how often are you playing tournaments in this time period? Um, yeah, so during the, like, early aughts, um, I was probably playing somewhere around, like, 10 tournaments a year, um, and most of those were local. Uh, It wasn't until 2003 that I started playing national events, and once I started doing that, I was playing all the NXLs, and then we started playing both series, the 7-man and the NXLs, right? So once that happened, I pretty much wasn't really playing any local tournaments anymore. Um, but honestly, as far as, like, drills and stuff were concerned, I've basically never consistently done drills in my entire life. Um, and, uh, because to be quite frank, and I've, I've talked about this before, but to me, drills are very, um, they can be helpful, but only to a certain degree. And, you know, to me, paintball in the skill level is, is a lot like riding a bike. It's like, sure. Can I be slightly better with my snap? Yeah, sure. But at the same time for me, playing is all encompassing and it teaches you about everything that you're going to be using as a result of trying to get better. Right. Um, but you know, if I was to define a drill that helped me succeed in paintball and like climb the ladder, it was really just studying, being a student and, uh, like really watching games with, with the intent to learn something from them. Um, I think a lot of people waste a lot of time doing all kinds of stuff, not just paintball, but like, you know, I, I could make this correlation to, you know, a guy trying to go and learn how to play golf. You know, a lot of people don't understand, like, efficient use of time. And, um, you know, that, that for me is really important part of it. You know, and for me, I would study a lot. I would watch games very intently and really focused on trying to get something out of every point I watched, right? And even if that was like I'm watching guys that were no good play. I could still learn something from what they were doing, right? Even if it was like, don't do that, right? But you just keep 
putting those lessons in your in your brain and over time you start to develop you know like this iq of of things to do and things not to do in paintball and certain circumstances and certain situations and certain risks to take and when not to take them right and and ultimately all that came from was was watching games you know studying and even when i played games i would study myself and talk to myself after the game about what I could have done differently and what I could have done better and what I would have done if somebody tried to stop me doing certain things, right? So when you start doing stuff like that, you end up learning a lot more than just going out there and doing a drill like I'm going to go and shoot the guy running to the corner. I mean, yeah, sure, that's going to be helpful, but in the grand scheme of things, like the most important thing you're going to do out there is make good decisions. And to do that, you have to study to understand what a good decision is in a given moment. If you don't do that, it doesn't matter how good your snapshot is. You know, you're not going to understand the higher level concepts of paintball. And if you don't do that, you're not going to climb the ladder, period. It's interesting how that seems to be a common theme among some of the pro players that I've interviewed. Like uh, most recently, I had Nathan Roberts on the show where he was saying <clears throat> the game nowadays is so much more uh, of a mental game and a teamwork like chess match than it used to be. And it's not about like these individual mechanics anymore. Uh, it's about how you're using your teammates, like who's covering what zones, uh, how to communicate to make like specific plays. And uh, that's just the most important thing nowadays. So I also like how you, you uh, mentioned like, efficiency and time because too often whenever you're going to the field or at least <clears throat> when i'm going to the field on weekends you know we've got guys that are showing up early uh gearing up quickly and throughout the course of the practice they're you know being efficient in the pits they come off get air get paint go back on and then there's some other guys who don't get there to like 10 10 30 11 sometimes they're not even geared up and ready to play until noon and then they play like what three four points and by that time the guys who've already showed up early they're pretty much done uh so it seems like uh as far as the approach like you definitely have to be like focused in in your approach well, you know, it's interesting that you uh, kind of mentioned that about guys getting there early and like trying to get their reps in and stuff. But I would actually argue that that's not really, uh, you know, the best way to have success. Because like, again, it's not really about how many points you played in a day like that. That that's such a skewed like way to think about how you're going to improve. Right. I would argue that most of the guys that go play at x factor have been playing paintball for like a considerable amount of time right a few years right even if all right and i if i was to guess that most players at x factor have been playing for several years and likely aren't really much better than they were a year ago or two years ago right that's probably pretty fair to say that and there's a reason for that it's because whatever they're doing or whatever they've been doing isn't really that strong of a, of a strategy to improve at a at a individual level right so like what i was saying is again in this circumstance i would actually argue that if let's just say five guys that are playing at x factor they went out there and they said they at the beginning of the day they set forth a, a new strategy to really get the most out of the day and by doing that I, what i would suggest them do is you know what hey look Let's say we're going to get out here at whatever time we agree on, and we're going to play for X amount of hours, but in those hours, we're not trying to play a bunch of points. We're trying to break down a handful of points over the day at a very deep level, right? And let's say we play five points, and we break those points down, and we talk about every little aspect of those points and what could have happened in different circumstances of those points. If a team did that consistently for a year, I am guarantee that if they even played five to 10 points per day, max, or even per weekend, max, they would find a noticeable improvement as a team and as individuals doing that method versus just getting out there as early as possible and getting reps in and getting off the field and getting back in there as fast as they could. Again, that is not an effective use of time. All that is, is just like, kind of brute forcing stuff and you're but you're not actually getting anything out of those games and what i was talking about earlier is like every single point i played 
through those, you know, early 2000s up until probably 2013 or 2014, every point, that was the level of thought that I had with every point I played. And when I go out to the field and I watch teams going at it, there's almost no thought at all. They just go out there and play. They come back in, they talk very briefly, but not really at a deep level to understand anything. And they just go right back out there. And you just can't really learn anything like that, in my opinion. And I think that's why a lot of people are kind of like treading water with when it comes to their growth as individuals and as teams, you know. But if you actually put forth that kind of like effort to digest and really understand what won and lost a point or what mistakes were made in the point and what you could learn from those, that's when you start to see tangible difference in skill, right? Um, but for some reason, like that, getting to that concept is like, you know, it's just, it's almost like a hidden treasure, you know, like a, it's not blatantly obvious. And for that reason, you know, it's, um, it, it's not, you know, you see a lot of skill gap in uh, it at, you know, your local fields. Along those lines, um, what, what would you recommend as far as like, um, how to break those things down? Do you think maybe implementing something like filming your points, do you think that would go a long way in helping teams, uh, in their growth? I mean, yeah, you could do that. I, I personally think that's, you know, even a step too complicated. I mean, well, you don't need to film the points because you, you, uh, you experience those points and likely you have more than five guys on the team, you know, to talk about what they saw from the sidelines, you know. Um, but really all it is is about, if you think about it, every time you've, gotten, you've been shot in a point, that's an opportunity to do something different or learn from that situation, right? And so if you're not actively trying to make the most of that opportunity, then more than likely, if you're not trying to make the most of it, you're not making the most of it. And ultimately, that's where you just get stagnant, right? If you're not actively trying to find uh, better ways of doing, of playing this game, right? And again, that's one way to do it is every time you get shot, try to figure out why you got shot, what you could have done differently. It's as simple as that. You just try to fix your mistakes. And once you start fixing your mistakes, you start realizing other parts of the game. And you get a little further down that practice, right? But again, if you're just going out there and playing points and that's it, and you come back in and you fill your pods and you go back out there to fill, to play more points, you're, you're not, you're, it's like, you're doing like, you know, you're basically just showing up with no intent to get better, you know? And then that's, that's kind of the whole point I'm talking about is like being efficient with what you're doing, you know? And Ultimately, that means is every point you played should be an opportunity for you to learn something, whether you won the point or you lost the point. You should take away something from that point that either, you know, builds confidence and reaffirms what you're doing or gives you an opportunity to learn from something you're not doing. Absolutely. Um, there's definitely a lot to take away from that uh, in how, at least me personally, I can change my approach, I'm sure a lot of people listening can change their approaches as well and change their mindset uh, so that they're learning more from these uh, opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's, that's the trick. And then, you know, first, in my opinion, the first thing you figure out when you're like a beginner playing paintball is like how to hold your gun and not be giving away too much of your body, right? So once you can get to the point where you're not just like an obvious mismatch in any gunfight you're at, then you need to build up the, the mental game, right? The, the brain. And then, um, then once you start doing that, then you start getting way more into the technical side because once you get past that, uh, that initial hump of like the lower divisional play to the upper tier where a lot of guys are at the similar uh, like kind of brain space or paintball IQ, right? Then at that point, then again, you have to go back to the skill of snapping and gunfighting and movement and, and you know, stuff like that. So then there's that level. So you're constantly building upon each level you're going up but in my opinion the easiest way to separate yourself at a lower mid division is to increase your knowledge and understanding of not making mistakes and taking uh taking advantage of situations you're given right and and at the lower divisions they're all over the place there's oftentimes big zones that are open there's uh you know easy ways to shut down a team and again by expanding your paintball knowledge you're able to exploit those weaknesses um in your teams and uh you know in the other teams you're playing 
and uh, it can kind of get you a long way. For sure. Uh, appreciate all that. Uh, so uh, before we continue, um, everybody in the chat, welcome. Uh, if you have something that you would like to ask Archie, please go ahead and get it in the chat and we will get to it towards the end of the show. Uh, so Archie, continuing on, like we've covered pretty much all of your uh, backstory and your history and your career up till this point. Um, so with all of those moments, which you've had a lot of big moments, especially in the last two years, uh, what would you say has been your favorite movement in your career so far? Um, man, it's really it's really hard to say because at this point I have I've I've got quite a quite a bunch of really great memories. Um, I would have to say, um, for me, honestly, probably my favorite one. It's really tough to choose because there's for completely different reasons you know like at the beginning of the season and i'm very proud of my career up to this point up to the point where i decided to come play for dynasty no matter what at that point i could have retired and i was thinking about it heavily and i was totally content with my body of work and my career and i've won a lot of tournaments and i i think i've proven a lot uh about who i am as a paintball player and, and as a human being and um you know I, I just didn't really need much more but that first win in Orlando this year for me was very potent. It was very meaningful. Um, and, uh, you know, it was just, it was, it just filled me up quite literally a bunch. Um, uh, it was, it was something that I, I didn't quite think I would enjoy as much as I did. Um, and then also winning world cup with Oliver and the plethora of all the kind of things wrapped around the whole season, winning three out of the four big ones, uh, playing with Oliver for the first time in my career and hanging out with him. I mean, he stayed at my place uh, for some time before the event and uh, and just being around that just amazing energy there with with this group of guys and and uh, kind of the the pressure of trying trying to keep the season a win because if I mean, I don't know if you are aware of this, but if Impact had won the tournament and we got third, we wouldn't have won the series even though we won two of the four events. And um so, you know, it was just kind of one of those things like rising to the occasion, playing with Oliver, all the kind of uh, the big energy around like Hormesis and Oliver being back and uh, and then capping off the season with like another dominant tournament win was just really special. So it, it really is tough to say because both those were just so high on my list. Um, and then obviously winning World Cup with X Factor, like the first one, my first pro World Cup win. Um, and it was very meaningful. I mean, it was with like a lot of the OG guys, and, and it was just such a special thing for us at the time. Definitely a lot to choose from there. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think there could have been a wrong answer, no matter which one. Right. I mean, I have a few other big tournament wins too, but again, it's like it's so hard to pick just one. But I, I, thankfully, I've had a bunch of really special moments. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I bet you can throw uh, the 2019 series win with X Factor as well. Definitely, yeah, that was definitely up there for sure. I mean, that was obviously a special, you know, special season as well. And 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 uh, you know, for us getting the monkey off the back, we'd we'd placed high for so long and had could just couldn't find a way to win a tournament, you know. And then we went two back to back and win the series championship. It was just that was obviously a big year for our team. For sure. All right, so we've talked a lot about your. Uh, past career leading up to now, uh, I want to transition to talking more about uh, this brand that has come up in the last few years, which is Project. So Project, uh, in the last two, two and a half years or so, kind of came out of nowhere to become one of the premier like private labels in paintball. So I uh, started with uh, like the, the long sleeve that had the individual numbering on the inside, uh, with hoodies and, you know, like barrel socks and other soft goods, but also obviously the big ticket item, the uh, Project GCS2 Pro. And right. now you've also got the uh, Project TM40. So where did this idea originally start out with? Um, I think originally it just came from, uh, I mean, for many years, I don't know, I, I kind of forget how long ago it's been, but uh, I had two custom milled, like unique one of one uh, CS1s. And uh, I kind of realized sh how kind of cool and how much of a demand there was for that type of a marker uh, in the in the limited release space. You know, people really back in the day, people used to have custom guns. It was very common. You go to a field and you'd be able to see, you know, twenty or thirty custom milled markers at any given point. 
And uh, for whatever reason, you know, the manufacturers got away from that and they just started kind of doing stock runs of a lot of high, high quality and high quantity guns. And, uh, you know, I was kind of toying around the idea with Eclipse and this was actually like many years before Project started. I had talked to, I had talked to Jacko and, uh, and Leds um, at Eclipse, I think probably in 2016 or 2017, so at least three years before, um, and about you know, doing custom, custom run guns. And, uh, we had a good conversation. I understood the process. I understood what it would take. And then a couple of years later I said, you know what, I think I'm ready to, to actually do this. Um, and obviously like that whole development process, Ryan at the time was, uh, in my, uh, you know, in office space, right. That I was in as well. So I would see him almost every day and we were bouncing our heads around and, and coming up with ideas. And, uh, you know, finally we, nailed the design got it done and then uh, and then covid happened so then we had to wait you know like a seven or eight month delay and um thankfully when that all kind of happened uh you know people supported it people liked it and they still do it's it's kind of crazy those guns still command like almost a thousand dollars more than retail um just because they're so coveted and so that's kind of how the how it got started and then we kind of start we started learning and doing other things and adding to the brand and um you know it's been a pretty cool little thing and uh it's definitely one of my favorite things about be about being at tournaments is seeing people wearing our stuff using our stuff and like coming and saying how much they appreciate the stuff we're putting out so you know that's like a huge bonus to being at these tournaments yeah i mean heck i'm sporting the hoodie oh, right nice. now that's yeah. Uh, that's yeah the hoodie nice we're actually coming out with some uh with some more hoodies uh here here pretty soon actually yeah. Uh, so I've got that. Uh, one of my teammates on the Titans, Lane Myers, he's super big into all the project stuff. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Lane's on so, the um, with all of these new, like, uh, releases coming out, be it soft goods, uh, you had the collaboration with Hormesis to put out some headbands. Uh, mm -hmm. now you have not just the CS2, you have the TM40 as well. Like, was this always the plan to expand into all of these other products or was it just like an, like a huge surprise in the overwhelming uh, response that you got with the first release? So I wouldn't say I was like overwhelmingly surprised. Like I was honestly, I was pretty damn confident in that it was going to be a success. Um, you know, uh, to say that I was thinking years in advance. No, I wasn't. Um, it, it just wasn't like that, you know, um, but, but, uh, I, I kind of had a, the reason I did it and the reason I was willing to take a chance on it was because I, I believed in the, in the idea that much, you know, and, uh, and so, yeah, essentially we, we just kind of, uh, expanded the idea and started, uh, you know, doing more stuff and, and kind of creating more ideas and more products. And, and now we're working on a whole host of di different things at any given moment. It's been, it's been fun. It's been enjoyable. Uh, it's also honestly again like i said it's a big bonus to be kind of like working in the industry in an industry where you know we've put a lot of time and effort in on the field and in the pits but not so much in a in a monetary sense or, or in a way to kind of uh kind of pay ourselves back for all the effort you know so it is nice to be um a little more involved in it and also uh taking um kind of like an owner stake in the game you know so it is it's definitely one of the things i'm more proud of over the last few years yeah and i think uh it's cool to see that with project with hormesis you're seeing uh like a few more of these personal touches like i know that um that tiger wear by uh who is it on uh impact can't remember his it's name kyle kyle and Kyle uh, Spica and Mouse. Kyle and Mouse, yeah, they uh, came out with their own uh, line of headbands and other soft goods. Like you're seeing that more and more. Uh, it's cool to see that individualization uh, kind of coming back. Like I know, at least for me personally, kind of looking at the whole uh, paintball scene as a whole, a lot of players and teams they wanted to go with this like all black everything black gun black like uh, you know there's like no no personal touches no style in there at all and uh now that uh project now that hormesis uh, is releasing all of these products uh it's cool to see that that personal flair starting to come back 
Yeah, I mean, I agree. I definitely think right now is one of the more interesting times as far as products concerned in paintball that I can recall. Um, you know, there's a lot more art, a lot more individuality, a lot more kind of expression going on. And it's, uh, it's, and as a result, the communities are getting bigger and bigger and uh, a little more at stake. You know, I mean, there's a lot of media going on right now. I mean, there's a lot of people doing podcasts. Obviously, Play the Game has done, been phenomenal and they're able to, you know, pump out a lot of high quality content often. Um, and then, you know, a lot of the other like kind of um, non pro player media channels going on too. There's quite, I mean, I can't remember a time where there's been so much. So it's, it's really, it's good to see. And it's, it's, uh, it's good to know that like at the end of the day, like paintball is supporting all this um, kind of connectivity in the game. It's really cool. It's a great time, special time in paintball, no doubt. Oh yeah. Special shout out to all of those media guys. Like uh, i probably subscribed to at least six or seven uh different youtube channels in the past couple of months of all right. of these different like camera guys like soulless um dufert media uh you've got like verbal and uh get that shot are posting things more and more and like the huge right. like increase in popularity and like the shorts format like those things are everywhere now yeah no it's insane i mean yeah those guys are i i mean i think those guys are making big money with the reels i mean that's for whatever reason that's this digestible content at the moment um you know just being on people's phones and grabbing attention for whatever five seconds i mean uh more power to them like if uh you're making big money because you're posting five second clips of someone getting run down oh, yeah. or hoppers getting well, destroyed I mean, like absolutely yeah they're figuring it out it's pretty i mean and again it is it's cool to watch those things it is it's it is a little uh you know you're doing the scroll wars and and that's that's what you're fighting you know you're trying to find some fight the the thumb from moving up you know so um a lot of that is is like attention grabbing kind of raw footage is pretty cool for sure i do wish that it wasn't so much like reload clips that are getting all of these <laughs> attention uh just people sounding off in the chat how uh we're like wasting yeah, all this they ammo. Can't reload. yeah yeah it's funny uh so with project do you have anything new on the horizon that you uh you can give any sneak peeks about uh you know what honestly i wish i'd brought some of the stuff out of my car i would have showed just dropped one on here but uh yeah we're coming out with some hoodies next week i think uh we've got some We've got some JT accessories coming soon as well, um, and then we are we're working on a few other like hard good stuff uh, that is like one's completely under wraps. Nothing, nobody even knows anything about it uh, at the present moment. Uh, like a new product, and then um, and then also coming out with some new guns next year. Um, I think we're hoping to do um, a CS3, an LV2 and a force all in the 23 season um you know if that doesn't happen you know we should definitely get two of them knocked out of the way and uh and then obviously we'll, we'll push anything that doesn't get done next year we'll definitely have it done in the, in the, in the following season but uh but yeah we're, we're definitely looking to to continue to make our stamp and make cool and interesting stuff um you know we also have a, a couple of other new business ventures that uh we're going to be involved in paintball with um obviously at the present moment I can't really explain too much of it, but you know, over the next six to eight months, we'll we'll be uh, kind of releasing a little more info on that. Uh, that'd be uh, cool to hear. I'm excited to hear all of the new stuff coming out. Like, uh, uh, I just thought of a question actually to ask you um, mm -hmm. with all of those things uh, coming out, and uh, as you're getting more and more involved in releasing more and more things, would you ever uh, consider as a brand project like sponsoring teams one day? uh i mean absolutely sure i mean uh you know again when you're talking about sponsoring uh you, you gotta be it's gotta make sense for both parties so depending right. on what that is uh yeah absolutely we'd consider it um i mean honestly we already have considered it we we, we were considering um you know doing some type of sponsorship with aftermath this past season with the uh with the tm40 because they were already shooting tms and um and obviously we made our gun um we ended up sponsoring a few players on the team instead of the whole team but but it's definitely um a thought of ours you know i don't know if i don't know if we'll ever get to the point where we will sponsor a whole team or not it kind of just depends on the circumstances but um but definitely look for us to be uh you know a little more familiar on the pro field um you know in the next season or two very cool. We're definitely looking forward to it. Uh, Lane in the chat, he says he's got dibs on the verse on the first divisional sponsorship package. <laughs> All right, Lane, you got it. 
All right. Uh, so we've talked about uh, your uh, past career. We've talked about project. I want to get into the present and the future. So mm -hmm. uh, during this last off season, at the end of the 2021 season, you left San Antonio X Factor to join San Diego Dynasty. Um, X Factor had a fantastic, you know, couple of seasons. In 2019, they obviously won the series title. Uh, I'm going to combine 2020 and 2021 just because uh, 20 being the COVID year only and right, having that right. cut short. Um, so with those two years combined, Dynasty had three wins, three event wins, and all three of them beating X Factor in the finals. Uh, so uh, after after that had happened, obviously, um, last year you make the change over to Dynasty. So what would you say it was that like sparked that change? Um, for me, just quite simply, I wasn't enjoying myself uh, on the team anymore. And when you put the level of effort that all of the, I mean, anybody that plays on X Factor or Dynasty or any top pro team, I'm mean, honestly any pro team, the level of effort that's put into this is a lot. And if you're not enjoying yourself, then it just straight up doesn't make sense to continue to do it. Um, so I was essentially, I just wasn't enjoying the game anymore. I wasn't enjoying um, the team. I wasn't enjoying showing up to practice. I wasn't enjoying the tournaments. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's just the easy way to put it. You know, I just wasn't, I had lost, it had lost the fun. It had lost the luster for me. Um, and so then I was, again, at that point, I was, I understood and I, I kind of saw this coming a little bit. And, um, and uh, then I, you know, I had a, the other decision to make was, do I, you know, really want to continue to pour this amount of effort into it for, for now? And uh, ultimately, like, I, I came to the conclusion that I did want to, and I decided to go and play with the team that I thought I would have the most fun with. And that's ultimately the only reason I chose to go to Dynasty, and that was because I thought that group of, of, of people I would enjoy the most. And, uh, and granted, I also I knew that. I knew that that was the case. And so that's why I went over there. And, uh, you know, the results are another thing. You know, I, I no matter what, even if we hadn't won three tournaments, even if we hadn't won any tournaments this year, I, no matter if I would have, matter of fact, still enjoyed myself a lot this this season you know and um and that's just because of the the people i'm around at this moment in my life are uh you know a good match for who i am right now and who i want to be going forward and uh and so yeah it was just it was an awesome season obviously and then the results i'm i'm playing with a bunch of masters you know but at the same time it, it's that team and and certainly the team we had this year makes a very very difficult thing look easy at times and there's so many things that go into winning a tournament that there are just no guarantees you know i mean again like i said i said it earlier i could have gone to that team and we could have won nothing and we could have had a terrible year honestly you know um but thankfully the collective and the attitude and the culture and all the little things that the team does right gave us a lot of good opportunities to win some tournaments this year. And thankfully, when we got in those opportunities, we made the most of them. Uh, and uh, yeah, anyways, nonetheless, at this point in time, I, I couldn't have been happier with the decision I made. And uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, at least many, a few years, uh, you know, continuing this kind of role this team is on right now. It's, it's pretty surreal, to be honest. And to be a part of it is just, I'm like completely um, just... <laughs> thanking whoever it is that's uh, allowing me to be here. Um uh, thanking them a lot. Well, it was obvious that uh the level of chemistry was immediate whenever you joined and I'm sure like you probably could have gone to any team in the league. Uh like no questions asked they would have made made a spot even if they had to, you know, they already had a full roster, they had to kick someone off, they would have made room for you. Uh but, you know, you go to Dynasty and immediately you come out with a win in the first event. And Dynasty just kind of kept the ball rolling from the combined 2020-2021 season. You know, they added another three major wins, including World Cup this year. So what is it that you say? Like, you said that they do, like, the little things right. So what are those things that Dynasty does to keep themselves at the top and have, I guess, another question, you know, surrounded by all these masters and uh, being a master yourself, like, have you been able to find new ways to continue growing? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I'm, you, 
you know, as far as like being at that, the, the, the tippy top and like really defining where that edge is, um, you know, part of that is just the diligence to really work hard and like be very mindful about every aspect of the game, whether that's, um, you know, our emotional well-being as individuals, uh, our physical well-being as individuals, the collective identity of the team and the, and the kind of the, the hierarchy of, of needs, you know, what's important, what isn't as important. Um, everyone is individuals and the, their own individual skill and what they're working on to bring to the team. And also the, the camaraderie level, like the level of respect and the level of kind of joy that, that we have together when we're not playing, you know, um, all those things, you know, met with obviously many, 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 many years of experience as a team and as individuals all collectively going after the same goal. Um, you know, it's been a really cool thing to be a part of because my role on this team is so different than what, what it was on X Factor. Um, and on this team, I can kind of be a fly on the wall and pick my moments when to talk because I'm literally watching geniuses all around me talk about what we need to talk about. And so I'll try to fit in whenever I think it's appropriate or whenever I think that maybe something might have could be touched on a little bit more or maybe maybe didn't get touched on at all right but but I don't have to think a whole lot about the whole overarching theme of the team you know that kind of very it just comes together naturally because of the group we're with um and so that's kind of nice and as a result of that I can kind of spend a little more time uh focusing on my own personal playing style and and my own things that I could work on at the, at the present moment, you know, I mean, I'm getting older and, and it's funny because the last couple of seasons I haven't, uh, probably because I haven't had the same level of fun, but, um, I, I wasn't, uh, maybe giving it my all. And this year I really was trying, trying to give it my everything. And, uh, that meant that I needed to rehash some things and come up with some new, uh, foundations within my game and uh and new ideas and also kind of learn a new position which was which quite exciting for me this season it was really fun to play uh kind of as our main snake guy uh you know that's not a position i've ever played really before um and that was that was fun to have some level of success there and i think i did it pretty masterfully uh when i think about the whole season as as a as a whole um so yeah i mean like there's it's a lot of little things that add up to essentially giving yourself a slightly better chance and then it's about really being able to capitalize on those moments there's definitely a lot that goes into that um but yeah all of the little things definitely add up and at the end of the day i think it was i can't remember who it is that uh this quote was it might have been mike henman but um like add up everything together but Ultimately, like all you have to do is go plus one. Uh, and True. if you if you just go plus one in enough times, then suddenly you know you're series champions once again. Uh, so it's uh, you know just finding all of those little details and and truly like doing everything at a high level or doing the simple things at a high level, um, and not just like you know, what's on the field or your snapshot or your individual fundamentals, like doing all of those things together. Um, just witnessing dynasty, be able to put out such a quality product on the field was exciting. I mean, dynasty, like y'all pretty much mercyed your, um, your finals match at world cup, like, and so many well, other finals appearances and the semis too. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. The last two tournaments we won, we find we mercyed them in the final. It's, it's nuts. I've never played. And I said that in Philly when we did it then, but I've never won a tournament so easily. And then at World Cup, we did it there. And it's just like, man, you know, it's pretty potent. It definitely says a lot about the team and the guy, the group we have right now. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can keep giving ourselves a lot of chances, which I think that is going to be the case for the next few years. Um, we'll just see how many we can rack up and, and uh, you know, kind of it's an exciting time to be a, a part of this team for sure. And I'm, I'm happy to, uh, yeah, I'm happy to have come here and I'm happy to be, you know, essentially to feel like I'm adding at least a little bit to this great story that we've got. For sure. And, um, especially, uh, great time for any dynasty fans out there. 
who not only have gotten to witness this uh, this absolutely dominant run, they got to see Oliver Lane come back out of retirement after six years to oh, win crazy, the man. you know win the MVP in the finals at World's Cup after mercying you know multiple teams and just being absolutely dominant. So let's talk about Oliver. How long had you guys known about him coming back beforehand? Uh, all we knew was that he was coming to World Cup, but we didn't know if he was even intending to play or not. Um, so, uh, again, we didn't know that he was... We had heard he was going to come to practice, our first practice for the event, like a few days before. Um, and, again, to what extent that was going to be, we didn't really know. Would he play a few points? Maybe, but it wasn't like, yeah, he's going to be playing all day we let him play as much as he wanted to. And he kind of started getting his feet under him and he wanted to play a little bit more. And then he ended up playing about as much as everybody. And, um, and granted on dynasty, like not everybody's like fighting to play more points, you know, which is kind of nice actually. And like what I was telling you earlier is like, it's not a race to how many points you play. It's a race to learning the field and learning the game. And if you're critical about the points you do get, you're going to make the more, you're going to make more out of them than just, playing 50 points, you know, that just for the sake of playing more points. So nonetheless, uh, he kind of started slowly getting the groove back. And then he came to X factor to play in that practice, uh, with us in X factor and LVL. And he started getting better and better every day he played, he got better, no doubt. And that even continued through the tournament. And, uh, you know, again, we didn't really know what was going to happen. And then it did. And it was just kind of a beautiful thing to be a part of and witness and, and definitely special kind of, really powerful emotions going on in in that uh environment you know the whole weekend at the event it was just such a really beautiful thing to be a part of for sure um i was able to witness a at least a little bit of it firsthand uh just getting to watch y'all's scrimmage at x factor the week before getting to actually interview oliver uh during y'all's scrimmage and then of course like you know watching the watching the tournament as it was going on. Uh, so for Oliver, is this a one-time deal or are we going to see him more in 2023? I think you'd have to ask him that. Um, I don't necessarily know that he has an answer yet, um, but I suspect maybe he'll come back for World Cups for the Hormesis booth or, you know, I'm not really sure what his level of involvement is, um, you know, but I do know he's coming to Texas in late May. And uh, if he decides to... Uh, stick around for a tournament or something that maybe he will i don't know but uh, but i do know he's coming to texas in may well everybody stay tuned on that for sure uh so with obviously the news for oliver and anything else uh so what else does dynasty have on the horizon either uh roster moves during the off season uh new gear or apparel coming out uh any new product from field one anything at all does dynasty have anything new on the horizon um, I mean, not really other than like continuing like a certain level of excellence at whatever they decide to do. Um, you know, this team has definitely transcended a lot of things and made its mark on this game for infinite, infinitely, basically. Um, and, uh, you know, I know my signature series forces are coming out here pretty soon, I think within the next two weeks. And, uh, other than that, all the project stuff we've got coming out next year, um, kind of, I'm, I'm personally excited about it and I'm excited to you know, continue uh, kind of trying to push this, the level of uh, kind of mastery of this this sport with this team. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's been a ride for sure, and I'm I'm looking forward to the rest of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we're gonna get into some questions here in the chat. Let's see. So the first one that I see is uh, again. Here we go. So, do did you have any uh, matches or maybe specific points at Cup that stood out? Um, you know, the unfortunate thing about Cup, the only thing that was unfortunate about it for me personally, is that the, the snake side of the field was just, um, very boring. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, moves to be made. There wasn't, uh, a lot of points to be won on the snake side of the field. Um, it was more like if you'd fuck up, you'd, you'd lose and otherwise you basically shouldn't take any risk. So because of that, it was kind of a boring position, uh, unfortunately, and I wish it would have been a little more of a showcase of skill because it really wasn't. Um, you know, I was basically playing with like maybe a 30 or 40% um, 
skill capacity on that side because there was basically no almost no movement involved because there just wasn't worth it um so kind of managing expectations on that was a little interesting just because i'm just so not used to being put in a position where you really couldn't do that much you know so uh, but nonetheless i'm happy with the way i played um and uh and understanding that there's more to your position on the field and 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 kind of taking that role and owning it and, and doing it the best of your abilities is, is essentially what I was trying to do. And I'm happy with what happened, but as far as like memorable matches or even moments, it's hard to say because it was just such a boring side. It was very similar every match. Um, I would say the only memorable moments were like some of the mistakes I made just because they cost our team so much. And that's what I was saying about that side. It was just like, there really wasn't a whole lot of risk because if you took a risk and, you, and it didn't pay off for you, you basically cost your team. Yeah, that snake side was uh, pretty one-dimensional, um, but I think the, uh, I mean, I played up the center quite a bit up at right. World Cup, so I have a very different perspective. It was a lot more interesting. <laughs> right, me. I mean, up, yeah, exactly, and that, that was a, a meat grinder up there, mm. but uh, certainly at the pro division on the on the snake side, you know, not a lot of teams were running out wide, and even after the breakout, it was really hard to get out wide because there's just so many guys in the middle that you couldn't really check off or see. And you have to, you're just walking, you're running through a big open zone. So it just made that side really critical. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so next question is, uh, how do you physically prepare for paintball tournaments? Um, for me, I it really, I try to get my heart rate up. Um, I think that's what simulates playing paintball, uh, at a high level, you know, is it's essentially cardio fitness, you know, um, typically like for me personally, when I'm in the gym, I'm trying to get my heart rate at 185, at least many, many, many times within an hour session. And usually it's like, all right, I'm working out hard to get that heart rate and then I'll come down for a couple minutes and then I'm trying to get it up there again. Right. So, uh, I think it simulates a pretty good, uh, match if you will because you're you know how it is it's like you play and it's really intense for a little bit and then you come off for a little while and you cool off a little bit and then you get back out there and it's really intense again so i think that kind of puts me in the framework of uh, uh basically being in familiar territory when i'm playing um, and ultimately that's what it's all about is being familiar and comfortable with what is going on out there right for sure uh, last question that I see in the chat. Um, also, I see someone that typed, uh, watching from or tuning in from Iran. Uh, it's five in the morning here. So, uh, shout out Hello. to you. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, we got one more question in the chat. So, uh, this question is what layout did you have the most fun on this past season? Um, I would say it was either. Orlando or Philly actually no 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 I actually had the most fun on Chicago because it was it was like World Cup in the sense that it was really difficult but it wasn't so difficult that you couldn't make it out it was just very hard so I, I thought that side it was I was able to really show uh, a pretty good understanding of how to play a very tough side on the field um, I think that weekend in particular I think on the snake side um, I think I had set the bar of what, what, you know, the elite level was on that side of the field. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't win the tournament. And I would actually, unfortunately say in large part due to, I got a penalty in our Sunday match and we ended up losing that match by one or two points. If I didn't get one of those, you know, I think I got two penalties in that match. If I didn't get one of them, then we could have had a pretty damn good chance to win that match. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I still put on quite the performance over the weekend, um, at that event. Yep. That layout was definitely, uh, it seemed like a pretty balanced layout on all three sides. Like you could, you could make it out on both sides. Eventually it wasn't just like, right. Oh, well, good luck getting out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I still think the snake side was much harder to get out than the Dorito side. Um, mm -hmm. but it wasn't impossible, you know, or wasn't, it, it was definitely could be worth the risk if you could pull it off, you know? Sure. So, uh, but yeah, that was, that, I did like that layout. It was a fun layout. All right. Uh, so Archie, uh, we're getting towards the end of our show. Uh, this question is one that I ask everybody who comes on. Uh, it helps get the word out on some up and comers or maybe some individuals that are unknown out there in the Texas scene. It also helps mm. me know like, who do I need to get on the show next? So are there any Texas based, uh, either teams, players, 
brands, projects, like anybody in Texas in the paintball scene that has caught your attention lately. So if the rest of Texas does not know about them, who do they need to know about? Man, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, like I, I kind of explained this earlier, mm -hmm. but at the stage that I am in right now, I'm just not really in the local scene that much. Like what I see locally is essentially the media. And I know the, the fit guys are out there practicing a bunch, but I just don't, I'm not there to see it myself. So I'm not really, I just, I'm, I'm not really aware of who's out there to watch, to be honest with you, because for me, you know, I put a lot into this game and to be at the high level of pro paintball, I mean, it takes a lot already. So to put in more, for not a whole lot of real benefit for me personally it's it's like you know it's just not something that's high up on my list of things i'm a busy guy and i got a lot of other things that i've got going on and i'm trying to do um so yeah like i said i don't i don't unfortunately know that much about the local scene as far as individual players and whatnot i what i do know is that at any given weekend all over the state there's a lot of people grinding and trying to get better i just don't know who they are specifically unfortunately yeah for sure. And we can give some shout outs to the media guys too. Like uh Verbal's been absolutely on the oh, grind. Right. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean Verbal's working harder than probably most paintball players are, period. I mean, I could and I mean all the, a lot of those media guys are too. Um but yeah, it is cool to see Verbal basically almost every time I'm playing paintball, I see him, which is is cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'd say Verbal's definitely like leading the way and carving out the path for all of these other media guys to kind of follow through and uh, like figure out like format wise uh, right. monetizing wise even like how to get all of these you know yeah, kind of carving the out the way. Right? I mean yeah yeah he's definitely the gold standard for uh, for the media I mean there's no doubt about it he blew up and I mean again a few years ago he didn't know who he was and now he's synonymous with paintball media for sure uh Brian shout out to you uh keep up the good work man uh, so Archie, thank you so much for your time. Do you have any last shout outs or things you'd like to say before we sign off? Um, yeah, yeah, actually, uh, yeah, I would like to, um, I would like to say, uh, thank you to my business partner, Ryan, uh, Ryan Brand. He's, uh, he's the other half of project and, um, you know, to be quite frank, Ryan's one of my best friends. He's my best man in my wedding and, uh, he's been a real just a great friend and a great ally in the sport. Um, obviously we ran X factor for many years and, and really proud of the work we did there. And, and sometimes it was very difficult on both of us, you know, and, uh, and, uh, I just, you know, even a public, he may or may not see this, but, um, yeah, I just want to say a big thank you to him. Cause he's, a he's taught me a lot. He showed me a lot and, um, I'm just grateful to have him as a really good friend and as a really great business partner. I mean, I really couldn't be in business with somebody better. And uh, I, I know how lucky I am to, to be able to say that statement. So, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Ryan, shout out to you. Definitely uh, one very deserving of it. Uh, so everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, be sure to go follow Archie. That's at kid underscore arch on Instagram. Uh, what other guests would y'all like to see on the show? Be sure to leave a comment down below. While you're at it, hit the subscribe button. The show goes live weekly here on twitch.tv slash in the pits paintball podcast and recordings are posted to YouTube, Amazon, Apple podcasts, and Spotify the next day. I want to give a quick shout out to my partners and sponsors. That's FU athletics, get that shot paintball Kumite and compete. We will see you guys next week for episode 26. We will have uh, coach Ryan Gray, coach of the newest team in the NXL pro division, Austin notorious. So guys, we will see you next week. Archie, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, of course, man. Have a good one. Thank you guys.